Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to Kudzu Vine for May 19th, 2019. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. And Tim Shifflett. Good evening, sir. All right, good to have you all on the show, and we got a good show at that. Uh, a guest that's been on a handful of times, and we're always excited to get him back. On from the New York Times, Mr. Glenn Thrush will be calling in about 20 minutes into the show, um, talk about a lot of different national political things. But until then, um, we got some national and some state political things to talk talk about. First one being tariffs. Um, it was announced, I guess, during the past week that you know Donald Trump's going to make good on one of his promises and get tough on China and add a lot of tariffs on um, – you know, Chinese goods coming in. I've heard a lot of things uh, about this economically, what this will mean. I've heard something like $100 will be added to the average TV set. Now, of course, that includes the big, you know, 80-inchers people are getting. Um, but, you know, that's the average. That's still, you know, pretty steep. Also, I saw on Political Wire where someone said this is going to be just like a tax increase to middle America and lower uh, economic America because of how much prices will be inflated across the board. Uh, um, Tim, what are the kind of numbers you have on this tariff for us? Um, well, you, you, you've heard a lot of it on TV that uh, we're hitting $200 billion worth of Chinese goods, uh, up to 25% tariffs. And uh, they did announce this week that Trump and them are actually looking at another $325 billion worth of uh, imports, which would constitute the bulk of Chinese imports to this country. China has, uh, is raising tariffs on $60 billion worth of our goods starting on June the 1st, on 5,000 products, by the way, that it's uh, spread out over. Uh, it's going to hurt U.S. farmers. That's that's been all over the news. You've seen that, and and about Trump wanting to offer a fifteen billion dollar subsidy to them, so which the taxpayers will be hit two ways there, of course. Um, thinly populated states are going to be uh, hurt because of the. Uh, Hewell Telecommunications, see, provides a lot of stuff to places like Wyoming and Montana and Oregon, those places. And, of course, uh, Trump's going after that company with gusto. Uh, some prices are going to go up. Uh, in the stores, you can look at things like frozen vegetables, rice, spices, Cooking oils, it's a veritable, veritable galaxy of stuff. And one that will really hit the troops hard, guys, liquors. 
a lot a lot of hard liquors are are, are going to go up. Building materials are going to cost more, so that's going to hit homeowners and the construction industry. Um, so it, it's it's electronics. That's another biggie, and you know, uh, just about what everybody in the country now has a cell phone or a computer. Well, you're going to start paying more for them. So uh, this is going to hit us all over the place. And uh, unfortunately, neither Trump or President Xi of China is giving any hint as to who might blink first. And looks like Trump's in it for the long haul till somebody does blink. That's generally his M.O. So get ready. Buckle up. Yeah, if he just likes to win um, pyrrhic victories and shows of strength that really, you know, hurt everybody else. Uh, Catherine, one of my fears about this is let's say um, something does get resolved and and these tariffs go away or um, we get a new president in, you know, two years and and the tariffs go away. But then, you know, Chinese businesses say – Hey, Americans have been paying you know that extra hundred dollars for a TV, that extra money for a cell phone, that extra money for a computer, rice, cooking oil, whatever it may be, and then the prices never go down, and then Americans, you know, in perpetuity, uh, moving forward, have to pay these increased prices, and that means the average person's paycheck doesn't go as far. Yeah, you know that's always a problem with these kind of things. You know, I always think that. You know, they say. Well, if this happens, the prices will go down, and it, inevitably it doesn't really happen that way. Um, I, I don't know what the answer to these things is. Uh, you know, the, to me the answer is, okay, then we just need to build, you know, we need to, you know, manufacture these things in this country, but we just don't have the manufacturing infrastructure to do it. So it's going to take a, a, a giant um, investment in uh, manufacturing to, to, to make that kind of adjustment. So, um, you know, I think, you know, if we could have, I mean, I think a lot of people did warn us. I think we should have heeded the warnings, you know, decades ago to not let any country be, be such a, you know, provider of um, our our consumer products, especially consumer products. But I, I don't know how we. Uh, I mean, I don't think that our current president is a very good negotiator, even though I know he's the you know the art of the deal and all that. But I, I think if we had a more diplomatic uh, negotiator in charge, we might be able to find a path through this. That was satisfactory to everyone, but I just don't see that happening with this president because he's got to win everything, and you can't be that way when you're trying to, you know, negotiate. Yeah, uh, Tim, I, I just wonder. Um, you look at the, you know, dynamics of this, and let's take some of it on there. You know, the face value. Okay, they say, hey, more pro- uh, products need to be made in America. We need to produce more of our own goods. Um, and maybe that's one of the goals of this tariff. Well, if you look at it, we currently have record, you know, lows for unemployment. 
but then the same administration wants to restrict workforce coming in, um, restrict the number of people coming in. So let's just say we, you know, boom all this manufacturing. We figure it out in record time, and we open these factories. Who's going to take all these jobs? Well, that's a good question, and 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 the first part of that. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to see how they're going to find an answer to some of it because uh, a lot of our manufacturing base left the country years ago, and we we just don't have it set up to reintroduce it overnight anymore. It it would it took a long time to lose it. It'd probably take a long time to build it back up. Yeah. Um. And 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 we're talking as if there may be a, a quick deal. I. I, there may not be a quick deal, um, uh, not only because just Trump is who Trump is, but but we got to think about the hardliners in China now. They do not want to be seen as losing face. Uh, the Chinese are not known for doing things like that. I know that Xi and Trump are scheduled to meet at that Group of Twenty summit next month in Japan. But I'm, I, I just don't see any deal anytime soon. Um, and, 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 you know, this tariff pit for tat is, is just the tip of the iceberg, guys. China holds, I believe, over a trillion dollars in U.S. debt. Now, I don't think they'll do it because it would hurt them as bad or worse as it did. That's what if they decided to teach us a lesson, they dumped that debt, you know. I sold our bonds on the cheap or something. Uh, they could do that. Uh, what What about nationalism? What if uh, Chinese citizens started boycotting U.S. products that, right. that we ship over there? What What, what are we going to do about that? Boycott theirs? We got a lot of American companies that build things in China and then ship them back over here. What are we going to do about them? Uh, there's a lot to think about here. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure that our president has has thought about it. Like I said, this is the way Donald Trump does business, and he brought the way he does business to the White House and thinks that he can treat nations as he does other businesses. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I, I go back to that moment. It's been a well over a year ago now when he was at one of the economic summits, and the president of or, or the leader of Montenegro was in front of him, and he just pushes him out of the way, just pulls back on his shoulder and says, "Me first. And, and that's how Donald Trump a, approaches everything in his life. It's a a big show of strength. Wonder but it's what he a had done. Show. He had grabbed a younger, stronger man. That guy had grabbed him by the top. Tossed him out of the way. I might oh, I know. I mean, but good. yeah, but I mean, and uh, I'm sure international incident X Y Z. But the fact that he would want to do it is the bigger issue. I mean, I can't see one of our past presidents in the you know at least the recent past. I, I can't see any of those people treating anybody that way, and they had the same job. Some of those people had the job, you know, eight years. The last three have had it eight years. Um, I don't see any of them treating anybody that way. Uh, they had no desire to. It just keeps going back to the question: 
how do we let somebody with this temperament in office? Um, and so that becomes our, our, our bigger issue, if you will. Um, well, let's transition to another topic so we can get to more things tonight and something we've been trying to get to for at least three weeks now. Um, and that would be, uh, you know, one of the leaders in the in the state of Georgia, even though she doesn't hold elective office right now, she's one of the most important figures uh, in Georgia politics and really on the national stage um, is important, and that would be Stacey Abrams. Now, of course, based on our guest last week, or sorry, two weeks ago, uh, Columbus Mayor Teresa Tomlinson, we know she's not running uh, for U.S. Senate, um, but – we need to look at her future plans. Now, one good thing for her in her own personal life and probably her political career, she has retired the debt to the um, IRS and retired some other credit card debt. So good for her because anybody that's had any kind of bills hanging over them knows it just feels good to clear that stuff away um, just for your own you know, personal well-being. Um, so, so that's uh, some good news for her in this past week. Catherine, um, what do you think uh, the near and further political future holds for Stacey Abrams? Well, what she's been saying is that she's going to stay here in Georgia and uh, work on uh, work with this fair fight organization that she's formed to, you know, make sure that we have, you know, access to the ballot and that um, voting rights are upheld and, um all the things that are, you know, you know, I'm sure she's going to be um, making some statements about the voting machines that I don't know if they've actually decided which ones they're going to buy. But, but so, I mean, I think that's great for Georgia and I think it's a great um, demonstration for the rest of the country that, you know, we, that we need to spend the time and make the effort to assure that, Voting is fair and available and um, equitable across the across our state. So I think that's a really important um, effort for her. And I think some of us might think that that's you know not big enough, but I think it's really important. And I think that um, there's a lot of people who are watching her and watching what she's doing with that, and hopefully getting some ideas on how they can do that in their own states. And in, uh, so I think that's obviously the thing she's doing right now. I, I'm uh, beyond that, which I think is going to take her up to 2020. I think she's going to be, this is a big effort and I think she's going to be working on it until the election and probably after. And so then I, I guess uh, my, my best guess is then she launches uh, a campaign to run for governor again. But I'm just guessing. That's just I think governor is what she really wants. Tim, do you think this uh fair fight um effort is a big enough thing for the next say two years? Well, I, I, I don't think she'll just be doing that. I, I certainly think we're gonna see a lot of her on television. We're gonna see a lot of her on national television. I think she is I think she's tapped into something. I really think she has a strong base of supporters. I think she is going to be – I was worried if she was going to be able to stay relevant in any news, but I think she will. 
you know, I know all this talk about the second spot on the Democratic ticket. Uh, number one, I don't think it'll be offered, and number two, I don't think she would accept it if it was. I agree with Catherine. I really do believe she does not want to go to Washington, D.C. She wants to be governor. Um, she told me that six years ago. I know I've mentioned that on here before, and she told it to me like a person that really believed it. And and you know, I believed her. I, I believe her. I believe she wants to be governor, and I believe that that is what she is going to do in 2022. And I think her name will still be out there. I I, I think she'll be okay on that. So. Well, I mean, unless you mentioned the pre- the vice presidential slot, now of course it was rumored that you know Joe Biden was floating the idea of a a ticket ahead of time, which. Honestly, I mean, it didn't seem. I mean, maybe it was constitutional, but it didn't seem the way that um, we go about things. Uh, usually, somebody picks the the top of the ticket, and the top of the ticket then uh, recommends someone to the convention, and, and it's kind of a process. And that seemed to be putting kind of the cart before the horse. And we don't know that she was ever offered it. Now, Tim, are you saying that if you think if she were offered? The VP nomination by whomever is the nominee, that she would turn that down a chance to be one heartbeat away from the presidency I and think instant she would. I national. Think, I think I, I do. I, th- I, I think she would. Um, perhaps we, we'll never know exactly. Probably what went on in that meeting, unless somebody yeah. uh, writes a tell-all book about it a few years from now or something. But she claims it was never offered to her. I sort of think the idea might have been floated, and she just uh, tamped down the the talk of it from the get-go. And I I, I think if if, if it were floated, she probably has already mentioned that she is not interested. I, I, I think she wants to be the executive of this state. I think she wants to be the governor. I think she wants to be the governor more than she wants to be the vice president or a U.S. senator or, or anything else. So I, I'm, I, I could be proved to be wrong. I quite often am, but I do not believe she would accept it if it were offered. Yeah. I, I definitely think be she clear would that... be governor. You go ahead, Catherine. Well, I mean, it's not like somebody's going to stand up on stage and say, and we nominate Stacey Abrams for vice president, and she's going to say no. All that stuff goes on in, you know, behind the scenes, and it's not like anybody's going to know that she turned it down. It's going to be, you know, there's going to be a list of five, and she'd be on it, and somebody would say, no, she's not interested. We know she's not interested, and her name gets crossed off. It's not, you know what I mean? It's not like a public denial of wanting to serve in that position. You see, so to me, it's not as um, dramatic as, like, turning it down. Well, I mean, but I will say this. Um, you know, someone, you know, turned or, or gave up the governorship of Indiana, and, and they went out the opportunity to be governor of Indiana. They gave up the governorship of Indiana. Somebody gave up the uh, being the senator from Tennessee. Somebody gave up being the senator from Delaware. Um, so I, I would think that if it were truly offered, I mean, you you give up a lot of offices um, 
for the you know chance to be vice president. Now, if it was offered, I have a feeling that when it was talked about, she was like, now, this way this process is going, this seems a little strange. And just by asking questions, that may kind of tap the brakes a little bit. Uh, and she was right to ask those questions. Um, yeah, but, but look, let, let me get Catherine. Go ahead, Tim. I, I was just going to make one point here. Um, there's 23 people running for the yeah. Democratic nomination. Practically, practically anybody who has been rumored to run for that office, all the big names are in the race. I, I just think this year, or, or next year rather. We're going to see both our names, the president and vice president spot, come out of those 23 names. That's what I think Mm. is is going to happen. I think that uh, we're going to have one strong candidate that's going to race through the primaries. Uh, It's not going to be a long, drawn-out process, I don't believe. I believe somebody's going to be a front-runner early when it starts and get the nomination, and I believe they are going to then look from those uh, who ran against them and and pick a person there. I believe that's the way it's going to go. I really, really do not believe Stacey Abrams wants to be the running mate. I, I, I really don't. Yeah, I think you're right, and also obviously with 23 candidates, it's hard for people to get as bitter at each other, uh, barring somebody behaves like Donald Trump did with um, Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz. Well, Catherine, I want to ask another question of you um, about this. Let's say that um, you know Democrats retake power in 2020, and then there's um, you know, and, and then Trump, let's say the economy. Given his tariffs and and his tax cuts for the rich and everything else, has the economy about to just fall apart due to no fault of the person that takes over the White House after him in 2021, that January? So, of course, but the Democrats get handed, and they still keep power in the House. We don't know about the Senate. It's probably close. But the Democrats take back more power than they've had um, since about – 2010, but the economy's not that strong because of what Donald Trump did. Then you're going into 2022 in a state that's no better than purple, maybe slightly red in Georgia. Would Brian Kemp be defeatable in that circumstance? Oh, you know, it's just impossible. It's impossible to speculate on these things so far in the future. Um, I think that that's why she wants to do this fair fight project is because she wants to build the, um, the voter base uh, so that she has a lot of support and that she doesn't have voters who are unable to vote or who are uh, disenfranchised in some way. Um, But what, you know, how the, how the economics of it impacts us, how, whatever, you know, laws the legislature passes and how those impact how the voters feel about it. It's just very difficult to speculate about that. And and I trust Stacey Abrams to um, have a pretty good handle on that in as much as she can. And 
you know, maybe she'll decide in 2021 that she can't win and then she'll decide to do something else. Who knows? But I think it's very difficult to speculate. Um, well, she came so close I coached to chess. Yeah, I ran a chess club for a while at the school level, and the one thing about chess is you don't think about that move. You think about that move and how that impacts right. that move and how that impacts the next move, and you got to think ahead. And let's look at two other candidates that were right. They were Stacey Abrams. Better work was red hot. He, he ran for president, which seemed like the right move. He waited a little while, but he's definitely cooled off. Andrew Gilliam, he, he same situation as Stacey Abrams, lost a southern state for governor. And now Ron DeSantis, for some reason, is so popular, uh, and I don't know why, but his approval ratings is really super high right now. And that's under the current political environment where Republicans are not very popular, and the Republicans are undoing the referendum where a lot of um, felons that had paid the, you know, their debts to society were out of jail were going to get to vote. And Paul thought that may help the Democratic Party some. They're going to undo that and have some kind of poll tax system. So there's two other candidates that they had. They were in this position too, and. Things have happened to them. Uh, th- things have happened around them. Uh, things that were out of their control. And so, if, if it's my career, and it doesn't matter if you're a janitor or running for I don't think a you public can say office, that, that you th- want to have things into your control as best you can. Well, you, I don't think you can say that Beto O'Rourke didn't have control. He could have decided not to run for president. Hey, I, he decided I, I, I to agree. run. He's had more control. He's had more control than Andrew Gilliam has. I agree with you on that, but. What I'm saying is, or he, t- he took it to a new a new stage, and the stage, you know, wasn't as friendly as as Texas has appeared to be. Um, and of course, I think another thing happened is, is nobody had any idea that Joe Biden would um, have would catch fire in this kind of way and have this kind of stay in power in the polls. Um, t- Tim, what's your thoughts on how Stacey Abrams looks in 2022? Yes. The climate is not what it was at least in 2018. Well, I don't think that's going to matter, and I'm going to tell you why. Georgia has something very unique going on right now. We are trending blue in a pretty good hurry. Just look at the results of the governor's races. We've talked about this before. Thirteen years ago, Mark Taylor lost by 20 points, and he was the sitting lieutenant governor of this state, not exactly an unknown commodity. Four years later, we ran a former governor. He lost by 10. Four years after that, Jason Carter lost by 7. Four years after that, Stacey Abrams lost by four-tenths of 1%. Four different years in two different, or four different elections in two different decades, didn't matter what was going on in Washington. I mean, in 2006, Democrats swept the power in Congress, remember? It was a disastrous yeah. year for Republicans, and our candidate for governor lost by 20 points. Uh, four years later was a remarkably good year for Republicans, but our, our candidate for governor lost by half that. I think we are just trending blue. I believe 
the pace of demographic changes is accelerating in this state to the point that I believe it's going to manifest itself enough possibly to break through and win some of these statewide races in 2022 simply because we're going to have more statewide voters than the other side does. How's that one, Greg? And it may be. And it may be. Um, but I do, you know, I think of Colorado. Colorado's a state that has trended blue for a while now. But Cory Gardner won the U.S. Senate in 2014 because it was a trend Republican year. He's, you know, he's not looking good for 2020 because it's a trend blue year. You know, uh, politics has a little bit of elements of surfing. You want to catch the right wave. Um, and, and, you know, you can't, and you can't make the, the, the waves, the, the pull of the moon has to, the pull of the political environment above. Well, then why have the races been getting closer every election in this oh, state? There yeah. is a trend. There's a long-term trend. I just, I, I just think the long-term trend may benefit, uh, the U.S. Senate candidate this year. And whether that's Teresa Tomlin or someone else, it, they may get the benefit because it's going to trend within that two-year period, plus they're going to get a bit more of a wave um, than we may get in 2022, because I really do believe we're going to win in 2020. When I say that, when I have this negative opinion of 2022, it's because I'm so bullish and optimistic about 2020, so I don't really think I'm being just all negative. It's just I'm putting my positivity one place, but then I'm putting my reality the next. Because I've seen how Democrats have done in, in in 94 and 2010. Yeah, but, but you are, by doing that, you are tying totally what goes on in Georgia to what goes on nationally. And I'm just thinking that that's not the case right now. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong. <laughs> like I said, yeah. I've, I've been wrong a lot. But the trends seem to indicate that, you know, here, here, here comes, you know, Georgia going blue possibly as early as the next election. And, you know, once trends set in, it's really hard to just turn turn them around. And I just don't see that happening here. Not a demographic trend. Not, not when the metro area, which now dominates the state with its population, is it, just going blue at lightning speed. Catherine is sitting right in the middle of it down there. She sees it happening all around her now, right, Catherine, and all those counties around you. Yes, and again, this I, I, I really believe that this is part of um, the Abrams strategy is to make sure that everyone in all these blue counties and also in the um, rural and other parts of the of the state where she has support. I mean, I think she wants everyone to have access. I don't. I don't think she's. I don't believe that this is necessarily a partisan issue for her. But we all understand that the more people vote, the more Democrats win. We know this. This has always been the case. It's just that we tend to not vote. So um, I think that's part of her strategy is to you know make this fair fight a, a real. Um, a real effort that can, you know, assist her and other Democrats going forward. So that's why I think she's so laser focused on that. 
Yeah, and I just I do think something like this could happen where you have, you know, record turnout in 2020, but then 2022 it drops down because it's just not okay. Donald Trump's not in office, and a lot of that excitement goes away. Um, it's just about. I, 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 I think she ought to consider what I call the Stacey Abrams, David. There, there is. I, I saw a rally late in the campaign in Rome down there, an outdoor courtyard. The place was packed like sardine, and pe- people were excited. I, I, I looked around and. And it reminded me of, of seeing some of the footage of, of a lot of the Obama rallies in 2008. Younger crowds, excited crowds. Something about her touched those people, her personally. Yeah, yes. and I'll just say to that me, I, I, I understand that hesitancy about, um, about midterm elections, and uh, which fall for our – um, statewide elections, but I do think I. I mean, I'm hoping that this uh, Trump anomaly is going to keep is going to keep reminding people that they have to pay attention, and I think it's going to be um, up to the Stacey Abrams and the Nakima Williams and the other leaders of the party to keep reminding people that you have to vote. We have to vote. Like you can't. Sit it out, and I think that's going to have to be um, something that we work on all the time. And I'm well, not putting I, it all on those two, but I'm just using them as examples know. of leaders in the Democratic Party in Georgia. Well, if you're the chair of the Democratic Party of Georgia, it's kind of your job, so uh, you're not actually saying right. anything unfair to Kima Williams because that's. I mean, if you didn't want that part of the job, you shouldn't take the job. And I think she does want that part of the job. But um, there, there, you're very fair because she's that's her role. Um, but now, see, to me, I, I look at what Roy Barnes did. He lost in 1990. He lost badly Roy in the Barnes primary. Was the worst um, candidate we'd ever well, had to run for governor. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. The man can't even he, wear a pair won. of matching socks. Okay, um, in 1990, he he lost the primary for governor. Um, okay. Um, but then he went he was he had been in the state Senate. He went back and he ran for state house Tim, and he um he won a state house seat, then he made new connections, then he ran back again in ninety eight and won, so he obviously he ran a good campaign in ninety eight because he won but but he gave himself the the chance to get back in the game now she's got much a much higher profile. Today than Roy Barnes had in 1990, but if she were to go in the state house, go in the state senate, find a district in that probably DeKalb mm-hmm. Fulton area where she's currently served or she served before, she could take probably take back a leadership role of some type in the senate or house. And if the environment looks right in 2022, boom, she's right there. But I don't if think it's like, did, man, this is that, not looking but... good, she could wait it out till 2026 and be safe. Wait I don't, eight years. I don't, I don't think exactly that. what Roy Barnes waited. He waited eight years and was governor. She's young. She's not old. It's not like she has to do it today. And my goodness, what's old in politics anymore? The top two candidates are both in the late seventies for the Democratic nomination. So you got plenty of time nowadays. I, yeah, but yeah, I think but, that's a. I think that would be a really bad move. 
And and I'm going to tell you why I think that, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, Well, it's like she's the head of a movement right now, a movement that she is going to be devoting a lot of time to. If you are doing something like that, and I think she's going to be in the process of three straight years now of running for governor. Um, If you're doing something like that, I I, I don't think you want to be in the legislature. When you're in the legislature, you can't be out raising money. You can't be out, you know, doing the types of things that she needs to be doing, Uh, uh, fine-tuning your network that you build up, expanding your network. Uh, Like I said, I think she's going to have plenty of airtime both on local and national television, so I just don't see what advantage being in the legislature would provide for. Yeah, me either. Well, you're in the arena, and it lets you. What well, it lets you stay relevant to 2026. But she will stay relevant because she's going to be on and CNN. To 2026. Yeah. Her, yeah. I think if she were not to run in 2022, it's going to be super hard to stay relevant through 2026. She's running. Um, she's running. Yeah. That's, well, <laughs> yeah I just believe it with all if my she heart. Plays she's it wrong, running right that's a bad now. Year. Yeah, that's, if that becomes a bad year, then um, that's tricky. So uh, we, we shall see. Well, guys, we got about 24 well, minutes, and it's time. What, what Catherine? Well, I'm pretty sure she's not going to use Roy Barnes as a um, as a mentor or as a um, uh, you know signpost for how to run. Well, if somebody lost something and came up with a new plan and then won something, there are valuable lessons to learn from that. I mean, there's lessons mm-hmm. to learn probably from every campaign. For Georgia governor, for Georgia office, good and bad lessons. And if you just shut something off because you know because one person ran a bad campaign in 2010, that didn't mean they didn't run a good campaign in 1998. I mean, there's they probably didn't run plenty a good of flaws in 1998. They won. He won because he was the Democrat in 1998. He had to. He had to beat uh, Lewis Massey, and Guy Milner was very well funded back then. That race is closed. Okay. Well, uh, and then you of know, course, he benefited from a Democratic dream. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, the man won governor. I mean, it, it, it's I don't understand the disdain for him, but okay. Let's go ahead and oh move my God, on to. Um, well, <laughs> we can spend the last 22 minutes talking about these Democratic <laughs> candidates we hadn't talked about buy, sell, or hold. Or we could uh, have a, a long-form no, thing on Roy Barnes. The new, so. the new B-Boy. We've got a new B-Boy. <laughs> uh, just one? Just, we, actually, since we've talked about it, I know we've got at least two because I'm going to go alphabetical. I can't even keep up chronologically. But um, I've got Politics One pulled up with all the candidates. And uh, senior senator from Colorado, Michael Bennett, is in the race. That oh, that's right. There's two, two new Colorado. B-Boys. You're right. Yeah, two Colorado candidates, um, yeah, or two Colorado cool. statewide candidates. Uh, um, Tim, your thoughts on Michael Bennett by Sell Hold? Sell. So, <laughs> I don't even have to think about that. There's no yeah. need for him at all. 
I think he's a one percent or below. I, I just I see no way he can get any traction at all in this race. Yep, uh, Catherine, um, your thoughts on Michael Bennett? I'm I'm gonna go yeah. along with everything Tim said. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I'm gonna sell too. I mean, I hate to just sell out of you know out of reflex, but goodness, there's so many candidates. It's almost like you can't even figure out the time to invest in, uh, you know, all these nuanced policies they may have because there are 20 stinking three of them. And he got in later, and I think that um, it would have um, been smarter to get in earlier, although I did see an article where it, it was in Political Wire this week that said the reason a lot of these folks are getting in is because of the DNC debate rules. It's such a low threshold to get on the debate stage and get a national audience and then possibly CNN, MSNBC, other news uh, forms will you know give you a town hall and so people will run just because they can get national exposure and i could see a candidate like michael bennett you know being motivated by that tim did you see that article and do you think that could be some of the motivation for michael bennett and it, others we'll talk about tonight it could be but on the other hand uh let's think back i don't know to the republican debate uh out there at the Reagan Center in front of the Air Force One, 12 candidates on the stage back in the the summer of uh, 20 or late summer of 2015. Who who could name all 12 of those people? Now there's going to be 23 of them for crying out loud. Uh, I, I I bet you that 10 percent of the population don't even know my, who Michael Bennett is, much less that he that he's running for for president, and and in this field. I, I mean, I, I don't see how 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 these people ex- expect to to do anything. Most of them, but you know, drop out early. That's that's going to be historical fact, and some of them are going to have to go before the first votes are counted. There's not going to be enough institutional support, uh, money, and organization to go around for everybody, and that's just the facts of life. So some of them, I guess, are trying to do what you say, David, but others are probably... Uh, just hoping somehow lightning will strike. That's that's all I can figure. Yeah, out. that's what I think. Yeah, and Catherine, I'll ask you another question. How much do you think Michael Bennett and John Luke and Hickenlooper are hurting each other, or would it even matter that they're both from the same state? Well, I think it's just weird to have two people from a state like Colorado. <clears throat> I imagine that Hickenlooper is probably hurting Bennett more than Bennett hurts Hickenlooper. Just because Hickenlooper is, a, I think, a better-known name, <clears throat> and he's been in it longer. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, the next candidate to get in the race, and this may have been the one you're thinking of, Catherine, was uh, Montana Governor Steve Bullock. Uh, buy, sell, hold on Steve oh, Bullock. There's three new B-boys because they're still Bill de Blasio. <laughs> yeah, we're we're going through, Kath, and we're still, you know, we're getting there. Okay, Bullock. I didn't even know he was running. Yeah, well, he's so running. I'm saying, so I'm saying sell. <laughs> okay, Tim, uh, buy, sell, hold on Steve Bullock. 
whole for one reason. I think he has the potential to move up into the mid to high single digits before this thing is over. He's a he's a pretty compelling figure if people get to actually see him, uh, and uh, he could even be on somebody's list for as a VP potential candidate let's let's go with a hold on him yeah i i'm kind of in between sell and hold i think he's more interesting than some of the other recent entrants i mean he has this uh statement he makes which is a little bit not true because of the governor of north carolina but um he was the only um democrat to win in a red state in 2016 for statewide office that was like i guess top of the type ticket um, governor or U.S. Senate, um, and so he's able to possibly win in one of these tougher western states, although honestly so many of the bigger population ones are trending towards us, and, and Montana's always been you know, more Democratic than, say, Idaho and, and Wyoming, but um, th- there's something more there, but I, don't, I just don't think in a 23-candidate field um, you know, that that's going to be the secret. Um, I would think if people are going to say we want more of a you know, moderate figure, why wouldn't you go towards uh, – somebody we'll talk about later that's more from the Rust Belt where um, we can pick up more votes and you know, electoral votes and whatnot. Well, Catherine, i got to give you this one first, then, since you sound so excited. Uh, Mayor, New York Mayor Bill de Blasio, uh, buy, sell, hold. Sell. He's not even popular in New York. <clears throat> He needs to stay in New York and do his work, do his job in New York, and then think about this later. He, this was not a well-timed announcement. You know, their infrastructure is in trouble. Their transportation is not functioning as well as it should. Their um, public housing is in shambles. There, there's no affordable house, very little affordable housing. There's just like all kinds of problems in New York, and I don't think we want to promote someone who hasn't been able to solve the problems that he said he was going to solve when he was elected. So I think All right, so. Tim, build a, yeah, build a Blasio. No mayor of a big city has ever climbed the mountain. Not one time. It's not going to happen. There's a reason it doesn't happen. It's mostly a regional reason, but uh, a mayor of a city like that is such a high-profile individual, especially in New York, probably probably more in the crosshairs than the governor, the senators, or anything else in that state. Uh, not only that, but he's made the national – generally, if a mayor makes the national news – it's not good news. Uh, I, I just uh, I see nothing to do with him but selling. Yeah, I'm going to sell as well. Um, he, he may really even hurt his standing even further in New York. I mean, when he gets in this race, he's probably didn't have time to make the first debate, and then he actually gets shown up by the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Uh, South Bend, Indiana mayor outpolls him in almost every poll and raises more money and has more volunteers. 
you know, if you can't make it, you can make it here, you can make it anywhere in New York, the big city, and it gets shown up by a smaller city in Indiana. I think a lot of New Yorkers may kind of be offended by that. Okay. Um, it's listen, probably going to happen for a reason because Pete Buttigieg yeah. is, is just more dynamic. Historically, historically, the last time a mayor was nominated for president by a major party was 1812. <laughs> And wow. and they lost and they lost and his name was Clinton <laughs> and he lost to President Madison so it it just it's it's just not something that's done in this country they, they uh uh-uh. yeah well the the next name is one we kind of argued about a few weeks ago but according to Political Wire he is still a candidate um, and he would actually possibly make. Uh, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden look young, and that is ex-Alaska Senator Mike Gravel. Uh, Tim, buy, oh. sell, hold on Mike Gravel. Oh, sell, and wish somebody would give me a dollar. You know, uh, the, the he's getting he's got the rep as the perpetual runner, and and just <laughs> it, 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 it's hopeless. You know, that something like that. It's just uh, Don Quixote tilting at windmills. It, strong sell. Okay, Catherine, Mike Gravel. I I say so, but I wanted to do another rock video before he does. Before he, remember the rock video he did, the video where he stood <laughs> oh, in yeah. front of the camera. Yeah, yeah I'm and then he walked, to, yeah. Over, <laughs> walked away, and then he dropped a rock in the pond. So I, I yeah. wanted to do another video like that before he leaves the race, because that was <laughs> endlessly fun. Oh, yeah, I think I'm going to sell too. Uh, when he probably got a little more attention last time he ran because it was a much smaller field and he was kind of novel and new because Bull had forgotten him. You know, Alaska, they did have a Democratic center way back when. How interesting, but that's not interesting anymore. So, uh, sell. The next one, Massachusetts Congressman Seth Moulton. Um, I guess he was a former. A war veteran. I was a war veteran before he uh, served in Congress, um, but it seems like he, he's catching a lot of heat. Um, Catherine, buy, sell, hold on Seth Moulton. I saw him on, uh, I guess, on Stephanopoulos this morning, and uh, I, I'm going to say sell. So. I didn't find him interesting, or he didn't really have anything. Great to say, other than, you know, I want to bring everyone together, like everybody says. Um, so I'm going to say so. It didn't seem that interesting. Yeah. Uh, Tim, buy, sell, hold on Seth Moulton. Uh, we'll sell. I think that thing you was talking about was something called the Federal Green Corps or something. Does that sound right, Catherine? And uh, they, they, of course, would go after combating uh, climate change, uh, you know, environmental issues and something like that. that. That's the main thing I remember him talking about. Uh, uh, he, yeah, is he, he the one who thinks there should be like a, um, like a, uh, like a VA benefit? Like the yeah, GI Bill for, um, people, for people who, who like, it, not just it, serve it, in the military, but, but, Serve the country in other ways. Yeah, and, but he did give a, a like an education guarantee that if yeah. you you know 
serve in the military, then you you're going to get a national education guaranteed or something like that. I, but that sounds a lot like the GI Bill to me. But uh, I, I, you know, it's again, it's too many of them, too many people talking about things like that with novel ideas, catchy ideas, and that one just ain't going to catch on. So. All right. Um, and I'll sell as well. Um, I just once again, there's so many candidates, hard to break through. And and if I had to pick someone in that kind of little mold, that would probably not be the one that I would think. Um, next candidate, Tim Ryan of Ohio. Um, t- Tim, buy sell hold on Tim Ryan. Well, I like Tim Ryan. He's a good man, and he's from a. A bellwether state. He he might have, you know, be on somebody's list as a possible VP candidate. But I'm still I'm still gonna sell him. So, Catherine Timron. So, like you said, there's just too many. There's, um, there's other candidates that will serve the role that all these people that were selling. Will serve that have already that are already in the race that have been in the race. So that's that I'm say so. Yeah, I'll say hold on Tim Ryan, and I'll kind of tell you why. You know, a lot of these candidates have just jumped in, like uh, Moulton Bullock. There's another one we'll talk about in a minute. Are kind of younger, a little more moderate. And if I had to pick one of those to kind of represent that lane or wing of the party. To me, Tim Ryan would be a good face. He, he's kind of been a, a leader of that group for a while, uh, younger. Um, I think he might actually be able to get some of those voters that voted for President Obama, that voted then for Donald Trump. They're actually showing that those are the only group that's pulling off of Donald Trump, and a lot of them live in this Rust Belt, Michigan, Ohio, and uh, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and he's from up in that area, Mahoning County. Um ran a county commission campaign one time and, and Tim Ryan apparently was an endorser and figured in and so I know he's well respected in that Youngstown area uh, and that's kind of the epitome of some of those areas. I, do I think that spark will take off for him? Probably not but but I'll give him the hold out of that bunch if you will. Um, let's keep moving on and the next one, I don't want to skip over anybody, is California Congressman Eric Swalwell. Now, um, he's from California, but apparently he has roots in Iowa uh, for what that's worth. He he was actually born and maybe raised in Iowa. Um, Catherine, buy, sell, hold on Eric Swalwell. Hmm. I don't really know anything about him, but I'm going to say (laughs) sell. Yeah. Um, Tim, any thoughts on Eric Swalwell? I believe he's the one that uh, said that he wanted to do a town hall on Fox News, and they told him no. <laughs> um, they they just they just uh, rejected a town hall with him. Uh, I, I know, uh, like a lot of the others, he's jumped up and pretty loudly said he he's going to appoint only Supreme Court. Justices who defend Roe v. Wade. Uh, he's the latest of, of, of that group. 
but again, it's almost like they're they're cookie cutters of each other. These guys in their mid forties, and and one of them is not breaking away from the other, uh, and kind of silly. Yeah, um, you mentioned that the, the Fox News turned it down. Did y'all see the report in the past week that CNN's done a lot of these town halls more than any of the other networks? And um, of course, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, they all got you know pretty strong ratings. But then when it's more the minor candidates that do these things, that the ratings are under what they typically would get for Don Lemon or. Um, Andrew Cuomo, or whichever Cuomo brother it is that has the show on CNN, Chris Cuomo, they get under that. So could it have been a business decision, Tim? I would imagine it was. Uh, there's, you know, there's a difference in having Bernie Sanders over there. He is a very known commodity. A lot of people, out of curiosity, were going to turn over there just to see Bernie Sanders in that mix. Uh, Eric, you know, Swalwell, uh, uh, no, you see Eric Swalwell on, uh, I don't know, Lawrence, Lawrence's show at 10 o'clock, you know, on MSNBC for five minutes on a Thursday night. That, that's where you would see this guy. Um, I, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you, David. It's a business decision right there. Yeah. Uh, last candidate, and this is a guy that's been in the race a long time. Uh, I, did we talk about Yang before? We talked about him, didn't we? Who? Andrew Yang. Yang. Did we do buy a cell hold on him? Uh, I don't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> Let's do it. We're, we're going we're gonna to finish them all off unless more of these characters get in the race. Uh, without asking us, um, we're going to get through all of them we can, and then we can go back in the future and maybe pick a few out. Um, Catherine, buy, sell, hold, Andrew Yang. Um, you know, I think I might hold on him, um, only because I feel like he's really making an effort. You know, he came here a couple weeks ago. He seems to be making an effort to do the rounds, and I have I have some respect for that. I don't know if that will gain him any traction, but um, I, I'll continue to watch him if and see, you know, if he talks about anything other than circumcision. <laughs> I, I, apparently, there's nothing in his store for that, Catherine. But Tim, you can buy a Yang Gang sticker <laughs> or a math app, but uh, <laughs> He he's a, a strong proponent of the, uh, the one of these basic income plans where people are guaranteed an income in the country. Uh, so an idea that's you know making the round. So he's talked about that, and I've seen some polling where he might pull four or five percent of the vote in a couple of the of the polls. I think I'll do a hold on him. Not that I think he's going to get too far, but he might be a guy that would be positioned money-wise if he so decided to, could just hang around and try to see how many people he could outlay. So I'll do a hold on him. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and sell him, but but I do see the interest in him as a guy that probably no one thought would have done well at all. And Uh he's 
you know, got more attention than a lot of people predicted. So obviously, as a commodity, he's gone up. And I must mm-hmm. say, he's got one of the more bizarre stores I've ever seen. Probably by far the most bizarre store with his math hat. It has nothing about him on there. It also has a math button, a math shirt. Now the back side does have his campaign logo. He's got humanity first, okay, and then he's got Yang Gang, and he's also got a tote bag that on it says "Secure the Bag." I don't even know, um, but I will make a little like, like closing little thought, and y'all can chime in on this too. I've noticed that all the candidates have. Um, stores on their websites, real prominent, and, and I don't think that's just some kind of catchy trend. I do know that when someone buys a political button, buys a sticker, a hat, whatever they buy, even as just a collectible, it counts as a donation. And since you have to reach the sixty thousand donor limit, it's super smart on all these candidates' mm-hmm. parts to sell anything yep. anybody will buy. Because they can get sixty thousand donors, because there be some people that may just buy one of every single candidate's button to collect, and boom, mm-hmm. they've all benefited for the debates. Um, mm-hmm. Catherine, uh, did, have you noticed that? I haven't been to the sites, uh, very many of them, but that is um, a, an interesting observation and probably quite uh, intentional on those campaigns. Yeah. Tim, I know you collect. Oh. You collect political buttons, um, uh-huh. so uh, you kind of happy about the fact that they're all doing these robust stores? Yeah, uh, gen- generally I'm the cheapskate that hangs on and hopes I finds their buttons later on at the flea market for a little bit of nothing, or or somebody says, "Tim, I thought of you and sent this to you." That's my favorite, but but yeah, you're 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 right, David, and you know th- I want to. Uh, uh, throw one other thing out here. This have so many donors, and you qualify for the debate. I, 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 I think that they've gone about that the wrong way. <laughs> and you mentioned one of the reasons: if you buy something at the store, you're considered a donor, and that's not what it's supposed to be about. I really think they should cut it off at, at compilation polling, don't you? If you're at such and such in the polls, then you're in the debate, and if you're not, well, sorry. Well, I, I want to do the Royal I, Rumble. To... Go ahead, Catherine. I have to say, I, 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 um, I like the idea of not um, basing it solely on polling, but I think it should be more like if you have X number of donations over x amount and that doesn't and shouldn't include the store like it should be just straight donations or it could be donations upwards of five dollars ten dollars a few political buttons the problem we got guys is it looks like most or maybe all of them are going to qualify for the debate how are they going to get 23 people up there and get them to say more than two things in an hour no, they're doing well, them in two consecutive nights. So and how the do they night, divide them the up? They draw rabbits gonna, out of a hat? Ran, it's supposed to be random. It's supposed to be random. I don't like that. Yeah. I, I want I, to see would, the top four or five people on the same stage. Now, that's me. 
Yeah, and maybe we'll, well get we that will, after uh, New Hampshire and yeah, Iowa. I mean, now, I, I but, still like. Yeah, since but, we may get up to thirty candidates, I want the Royal Rumble debate. They have two candidates come out. They ask them a question. They each get an answer. <laughs> the audience chooses who get who stays and who leaves. And then the one one leaves and one stays. Then the next candidate comes oh, out like randomly thrown. Oh yeah, well it's it's like the royal the old wrestling royal rumble, and and let's see if one candidate could run the gauntlet and get through every other candidate in this um, debate stage. Well, guys, I'm gonna leave y'all with this thought. I hope if I ever go to the flea market where the Yang Gang buttons are, I see two because I don't know which one of I'd think of most. If uh, who was more of the Yang Gang? If I see that button, so I'm telling you, look <laughs> his store up. All right. Until Good next week, from the Good Night, y'all. Good night. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice.